Before we begin, I'd just like to remind you that this episode is also available as a video. So if you'd like to check out myself and Andy in all our uh, glory, then head over to youtube.com forward slash at Pottywood. Hello everybody and welcome once again to another episode of Pottywood, the podcast where we talk about movies with the people who make movies and today is no exception. We have another guest but before we bring her on I'd like to introduce myself. I am one of your co-hosts Steve Hester and joining me as always is... What you mean I'm not the guest? You do this to me every week. I'm just, I'm, no. I'm not impressed. Well I guess I'm Andrew Roger Carson, I'm guest. I'm the other guy on the show, not qualified enough to be a guest. I guess I have to host this thing with him. But no, welcome you yeah. back. Can't get rid of <laughs> you. Unfortunately not. And trust me, this last month, the world has tried. So <laughs> let's have a chat. Speaking about this last month, I've got a bone to pick oh, with God. you. What's this? Right. Look at that. Yeah, it's a Lord of the Rings t-shirt. You do anniversaries every single month, and you missed off the 20th anniversary of Return of the King. I did not miss it off. I just chose not to put it on. <laughs> That's all. Because I know you. You, you take yeah. like 25 minutes on it alone and it'd run the show over. Yeah. Anyway, Taking back to, to the format for the week, Steve. Uh, yes, this is obviously the return of the guests now that we've gone to our full video format, and we're debuting a whole slew of guests. Uh, two weeks ago, we had Jen McGowan. We've got some amazing guests coming up, but they have to be led in by a truly amazing guest. Bit of fancy music, Steve, for this intro before we debut her. She was born and bred in Sydney, Australia. She started acting at the age of 16, doing stage plays in London before transferring for a very successful run in Turkey in sitcoms and film. Uh, she then moved to Los Angeles. Since then, she has appeared in such shows as Ray Donovan, Scandal, Entourage, as well as also appearing on the stage. She's also a very celebrated TV host, and now she is also a producer as well. Exactly. No, fitting all the boards, you know where it goes next. Go to directing. I guarantee you we're going to see it one day soon. But for the meantime, it is our absolute pleasure to have all the way from sunny Los Angeles, Sarah Hennessy. How are you, Sarah? Fabulous. <laughs> well, thank you for that intro. Thank you. <laughs> Happy to yes. be here. After that intro, you can go now. You're very, very welcome. <laughs> oh, yes. I like how Andy had to preface sunny L.A., it's finally yeah. sunny LA. The last three months, I have not missed living in London. It has rained every day. It's been crazy. We've had, <laughs> we have had the four seasons in one day effect going on in the UK. I don't know how we always end up starting talking about the weather whenever we have a guest come on our show. It's because we're we British. Have... Okay, yeah. so we're going to do a bit of a biographical journey of you, Sarah, as we do with all of our guests. So you're born and bred in Sydney, Australia. So what's it like growing up yes. there? Yes. Oh, beautiful. It was the most magical part of my childhood was Australia. 
it's just such a magical place. I mean, nature wise, and I mean, it's, it's a beautiful place for a kid to grow up. I'm, I'm very thankful. <laughs> Yeah. You can tell that you've moved around a lot because you, you don't really have any real trace of an Australian accent anymore. No, I don't. And it's funny because when I first moved to L.A., everybody thought I was British because I'd been doing stage work in London and I sounded more English. I kind of have this because I moved around a lot as a child as well. So I have this kind of chameleon like ability that um, I kind of switch accents and I don't do it on purpose. But um like I can't speak Australian now and I can do like so many different accents because I've lived and worked in different countries. Um, and funnily enough, Australian is the only one I can't do unless I'm speaking to an Australian or I go back home. So it's, it's weird. And, um, and uh, yeah, I, sound, I sounded more British when I first moved here. And then um, I spent some money learning how to say can't and instead of can't. <laughs> <laughs> and uh and water instead of water <laughs> which still comes more naturally to me but <laughs> sorry all i can think of is the phrase you massive can't sorry we're lowering the tone right away yeah but no, uh, no. Yeah. I, I i can't say can't. <laughs> <laughs> so growing up obviously in australia i think uh, the kind of world view when it comes to Australian films, you either have uh, what's known as Ausploitation or you have Home and Away and Neighbours. Yeah. That, that seems to be what every single person yeah. thinks that Australian film uh -huh. and television is. Who were your icons growing up and uh, what really fed you into wanting to pursue the arts? Interestingly, I didn't have any icons growing up because I, I was a science student. Wow. I mean, theater was a hobby of mine that um, I was studying to be a genetics engineer, genetical engineer of all things. <laughs> and I loved it. I love the sciences. I still do. But um, um, so I started off dancing at a very young age. And then I, I did um, some kind of a dance at a, at a school camp or something. And the, the theater director pulled me aside and he said, you're very brave on stage as a dancer. Let's see you as an actor. So I was like, okay, whatever. I was like, okay, well, that sounds like a fun thing to do. And my first production was uh, the Epic of Gilgamesh, but we did it like a musical. And, um, and uh, it kind of just, I mean, I loved it. I, I've always loved the stage, but it was always kind of like a hobby for me. I didn't, I didn't know how to have a career in acting, and I d certainly wasn't on the plate. Yeah, but as far as icons go, I think um, I was raised by a single mother who had to work three jobs raising me. So we had very a limited amount of time. But in the time we did have, one of our activities was going to the library and the other was going to the movies. And um, and my mom loved old Hollywood musicals and so, so did I, I still do. So watching, you know, Fred Astaire and Gene Kelly and all those, you know, all, Rita Hayworth and, you know, I loved all that, all those old, you know, singing and dancing movies. And um, I think that was my first love. And uh, it, it was just, it, they were, they're all so magical and they're all happy and, you know, and it's bright and cheerful. And especially if you're, you know, a kid growing up with a single mom who has to work three jobs, you know, it, it kind of, it was kind of like a fantasy kind of a, a thing for me. It was just, it was just so magical that I, I think that was probably what made me fall in love with films initially um and then my love of dance and um and then finally when i went to turkey in my early 20s um and i became miss turkey 
and that was <laughs> that was not planned either but I, I I just thought it'd be a fun thing to do <laughs> a fun thing to tell my grandkids and then I actually got chosen and I went to Singapore um, as, as as a beauty queen in, in the in the finals and um, um, I did a little bit of modeling here and there but I um, yeah and then I just got offers to do TV shows in Turkey and then I was like oh so okay so this is how I get my foot in the door <laughs> <laughs> weird that you say that you were uh, Miss Turkey I would have thought that for something like that you've generally got to be from Turkey I am. How, how, did, how did that work so I have Turkish family. I'm Tur I was born and ah. raised in Australia, but I have Turkish family. So I'm Turkish and Australian. I have dual citizenship. Yeah. Ah, well, that explains that then. Yeah. <laughs> You've got a love of doing stage work, and it is something that you, you yes. still carry today. Now I know that you're a lover uh -huh. of Shakespeare, aren't you? Yeah. It's funny because I never fully understood it until I studied theatre in London. I don't think they really explain it as well as they do there anywhere else in the world. I don't care what anybody says. I did Lady Viola in Twelfth Night, and it was such a mm. fun play. I had so much fun, and all of the classical works. I did a I did a 17th century restoration comedy after that, and that was a lot of fun. You know, it's kind of fun and frivolous, and the language is fun, and you know, it's uh, yeah, fun theater. <laughs> yeah, I love Shakespeare. I really do. Yeah, the language. I mean, once you understand it, and it, and 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 even you know, when I first picked up the play, I didn't even understand what it said, what 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 it was about. You know, when I first started, um, and then, um, but once you really understand it, and you know, it's actually very easy to memorize as well. Like I've done modern plays, I couldn't recall a single line of any modern play I've done, but I I still recall um, lines from. Um, from Lady Viola, I recall lines from Way of the World, which was the William Congreve um, 17th century restoration comedy that I did. Um, it's fascinating. <laughs> it's a true great work stays yeah. with you. That's what it is. Yeah. Yes. So true. as you mentioned, you, you uh, were Miss Turkey. Obviously, you, you're going through dance, you're doing mm -hmm. stage work. So already early on, you had all of these different avenues working out. Uh, you started appearing more and more in Turkish film and Turkish TV and one yes. series I believe was it four years you had a recurring role on a Turkish TV show that I yes. hear apparently was as popular as Friends in Turkey yes it was it was hugely successful um, we the, the days we aired we got like 50% in shares wow. wow which is huge any TV show, yeah. So it was so when I say when I t I tell my friends it was bigger than Friends, and it sounds like I'm being megalomaniac, but no, it really was. In its country, it was very very successful. It was so well written. It was a lot of fun, and uh, it was an amazing experience. And um, and uh, they're still doing they're still airing reruns of the show. The fans sometimes reach out and you know they send photos. They've grabbed off their TV and go, hey, you're on the screen, and you know in Turkey today. I was like, oh, that's, that's fun. So um, it was it was a very a fun experience having that kind of that big of a show and and uh, the love of the fans and, and having that was uh, it's um, it's 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 a beautiful experience. Yeah. What was the show called in both its native tongue and the English <laughs> translation? <laughs> in Turkish, it's Avrupa Yakası. In English, it means the European side. 
So half of Turkey, half of Istanbul is in Europe and half of it's in Asia. The Bosphorus Bridge obviously mm. connects the two. So it, it means the European part of Istanbul, basically. I'm looking at it right now and your list of credits is incredible. And there's so many that are in Turkish. Yeah, I did. I did a lot of TV work in Turkey. I think, um, yeah. it, it, you know, people. I, I, I tend to knock it a little bit. I mean, now I actually Turkish TV has become very successful. Actually, Turkey is the second biggest provider of uh, of content outside of America right now in the world. Really? Second. Really. Yeah, it's huge. Um, they're getting sold all over the world. Um, and uh, they're watched all over Eastern Europe, uh, Europe, um, Russian, uh, Russian, you know, those Eastern Bloc countries, um, South America. They've taken over from the Mexican telenovelas, and they're actually watched in South America. I mean, I have friends who watch who watch more Turkey, like more Latin American friends who watch Turkish TV more than I do. <laughs> <laughs> they're huge. Um, and the reason why they're the biggest content provider, I'm going to explain, is that a, like an American TV show or an English TV show is about half an hour, 30 pages, and they usually shoot them in about 10 days in America. In Turkey, they shoot them, we, our shows are 100 to 120 pages, and we shoot one every week. So it's like shooting a feature film oh every my week. Oh God. I know, it's crazy. And... And our TV season is nine months. Oh, that is an incredible workload. Yeah, it is. So, um, so you're doing basically uh, you're shooting six days a week, um, and they don't shoot with sound. Our sitcom was shot with sound, but ninety percent of the shows are not shot with sound. So you shoot six days a week on an average about fifteen pages a day, and then on the seventh day you go in to do your ADR. And you do that seven days a week for nine months. Oh my God. <laughs> so that's why the, the, the content is so much is because, you know, they're shooting so much. Did you find that um, having spent time on the stage kind of prepared you a bit more for that kind of work schedule? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Your memory has to be there. And, and then again, you only have one take or two takes to do anything. Like, I mean, I did... Um, a video for Scientology here in America. I'm not a Scientologist, but um, they, they hire actors to do these educational videos. And uh, and I worked with them a couple times and then the casting director reached out to me one day and she was like, can you cry on cue? I felt like this sense of arrogance. At, th at that point, I was a little bit arrogant. I was like, what do you mean, can I cry on cue? I can give you versions, bitch. I, I didn't say bitch to her, but I, thought, I can give you versions, bitch. <laughs> so uh, she was like, can you put it on tape and send it to me? And I'll just show the director. So I did one where I only had like one tear falling. And then I did a few with a few tears falling. And then I did a full blown like bawling version. And I did them all in like five minutes and sent it to her. And she reached out to me and she said, if you don't get this role, I don't know anything about casting. <laughs> I'm going to give up my job. She said, but I got to show the director and they're on set right now. So I'm going to show it at the end of the night, evening. And then I'll get back to you at some point to late tonight she called back later the, the night and she said we got the job and then i got on set and they you know they they did my hair and makeup and then they sat me in this seat and the camera is like way over here and they said you know you just sit in the in this in this sofa and then you know get yourself in in, in the space and whenever you start crying we're going to zoom in the whole shoot was over in five minutes <laughs> and there was a pause at the end I finished it, and they were like and then there was this applause 
in the background, like the crew were like clapping and I'm like, why are they clapping? I didn't get it. And the, and the, and the judge was like, wow, I haven't, I've never seen anybody do that before. And I was like, huh? <laughs> And I said, well, you saw my tape. You saw me do it on the tape I sent. He was like, oh, well, I, don't, I didn't know how long you spent getting there. And I was like, well, when you do Turkish TV, you got one take to do it in. That's why we're well prepared. <laughs> I mean, you just have to get yourself there. You don't have, they don't have two hours for you to sit there and get in mood in your zone. <laughs> it's very good. It's, uh, what I like to say, I always like to quote, um, there's a book called... Um, uh, the Outliers, I don't know if you've heard about it, and um, he's named Malcolm Gladwell. It was a bestseller, like several times over. So, and he talks about how people get to the level of talent. Like he talks about like the Beatles, how the Beatles became the Beatles, and the Beatles became the Beatles because they were playing at pubs all day, like literally for 10 hours a day. They were like background music or something, and, and he says it requires 10,000 hours for any talent to get to a level of perfection. And yeah. so when you do Turkish TV, you're doing, you're working for 18 hours a day, at least six days a week. So you can clock 10,000 hours pretty quickly. So uh, I, yeah, so I always like to quote that. And I say, I, 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 it was, it was a great workout. Like if acting is a muscle, um, it's, it's a great workout for an actor to work in that kind of, um, with, I don't want to say tension, but it is tension, you know, because <laughs> you just have to get it. Yeah. Well, I decided to go on a bit yeah. of a movie journey with you uh, since I last spoke to you. So okay. I thought, okay, let, let's wind okay. back and see how far back I can go here to, to find out where you started. And I discovered okay. that you had a small bit in a Jackie Chan movie called The Accidental Spy, where you played a mafia yes, boss's girlfriend. So was that in Australia? Yes, I did. No, that was in Turkey. That oh, was right. parts of that was shot in Turkey, and uh, yeah, I got to meet I got to meet Jackie Chan, and uh, and he was he was lovely. He was very charming. Yeah, it's not, yeah. It's not a bad film. So that was a that was a small role. That was a small role, though. That was when I was first starting yeah. off. It got, yeah. it got you on the radar. So I always thought because Jackie Chan did he went through a phase where he was shooting a lot of his movies down in Australia. So I was like. Now, was that in Australia mm. when he was there doing the movies around that time, like Mr. Nice Guy and Who Am I and stuff like that? Yeah. But obviously now we've got, it's nah. obviously in Turkey. So there we go. Yeah. What, what, was the name of, what was the name of that one where he went down the, the side of the building? Oh, God. Right that outside the side of the building. Absolutely any I'm Jackie sure that Chan that movie. was filmed in Australia as well. <laughs> he, he does, yeah. a, he does <laughs> that in his lunch hour to beat everyone to the taco trucks. Mm. Yes, he does. <laughs> yes, he does. <laughs> Guarantee you. Uh, you also appeared in a Morgan Freeman, John Cusack movie called The Contractor, where you yes, have uh, a role as a reporter. And this is a kind of running theme that you have. You, you've appeared as a reporter quite a few times. But how did the role of The Contractor come yeah. along? So, um, so actually, my first job in Turkey, because when I first went to Turkey, I, I could understand Turkish, but I couldn't speak it very well. Um, so I got a job on the foreign news desk, because I needed somebody to go out and do interviews with like foreign dignitaries, like sports people, actors, politicians who came in. So I actually worked a lot as a, uh, as a journalist, and I, I even anchored news at one point. 
Um, so <laughs> that's a little side, side thing. Um, I uh, met um, the producer of the film at the Cannes Film Festival and they were shooting a lot of films in Bulgaria at the time, well, and they still are, uh, New Image Films, and I was based in Istanbul and there wasn't a lot of English-speaking talent in the area, obviously, and they would fly them in from England, but I was even closer and probably cheaper, I was an hour away, so whenever they had like, you know, small English-speaking roles, they would call me in and I would hop over and go in and shoot and, and go out. <laughs> so that's how that worked out, yeah. And it was an Aussie director, Bruce Beresford. Yeah. And it was the first time actually Beresford and Morgan Freeman reunited since Driving That's Miss right. Daisy. Yeah. Good. Very yeah. good pickup on that. <laughs> as well as yeah. that, you also appeared in, now I'm going to get this right, your character name, I'm going to get this wrong. I'm so getting it wrong, but I'm going to give it my all. Uh, AC okay. Kosovali in the movie Super Agent oh. K9 which I can best describe uh -huh. this, Steve, as a Turkish yeah. Johnny English. That's, I think that's the best way I can <laughs> do it. Uh-huh. So, yes. okay, Johnny Turkey, okay. Uh-huh. It was a spy spoof. It was like a spy spoof. It was kind of, yeah, it was, it was kind of a, a very uh, Rowan Atkinson-ish character who played the lead and I was also one of the leads and uh, we, it was an agent spoof a little Austin Powers in there as well so it was kind of like um, yeah, um, so the, 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 the men all the, the male agents in the film were all like bumbling fools and I was the kick-ass agent who came in and literally kicked ass and saved the day um, so I did a lot of stunts in that film and that was fun because I, I had just been uh, I did a stint of kickboxing um, and uh, for a TV show and um, so I did a lot of wire work and stunts and that was a lot of fun I really enjoyed it actually we were able to employ some of your dance techniques <laughs> while you were doing yes. that as well Yes, because the thing is like uh, wire work and especially like actually a lot of the wire work I did didn't end up in the film they did they didn't put they didn't put all of it in because uh, long story short they couldn't figure out all the technicalities of doing you know stunts and wire work in Turkish cinema when I did it I mean now they've gotten better with that um, uh, but uh, because I, right off right off the back of it I did another one that was kind of like a police academy type TV show this was a TV show and they had uh, all the stunt team come in from Asia and actually some of Jackie Chan's stunt team came in to help with that and so they were awesome. like, I, we can't do stunts with Turks. We're going to have to like fly in a whole team. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, but for Agent Kosovala, um, I did a lot of uh, uh, um, wire work. And wire work is kind of like a, a mixture. And it was, it was like Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon stuff, some of the stuff I did on there. A lot of it is gymnastics mixed in with martial arts. So, and, and, a, and a gymnastics and dance background definitely helped, yeah. Especially with all those flips I do. <laughs> They're doing like that. Yeah, yeah. It's actually really refreshing. A, a lot of actresses just will not get into the whole wire work and the stunt work and things like that. So it's always refreshing to find one. Oh, it's so much fun. I remember the, the TV show I did right off the back of it where we had the Asian stunt team and they were like, are you going to be okay doing this? I was like, are you kidding me? I was like, just tie a rope around my waist and throw me off the building. <laughs> I'll be fine. Cause I, I, I love, I, like, I love bungee jumping and, 
and skydiving and I love all that stuff. So for me, it was just like, that's fun. Are you kidding me? <laughs> I can't believe I get paid to do this. <laughs> Don't tell anybody. <laughs> <No. laughs> you know what's really funny? The last film I did, and it was a film that I produced and I, I star in as well. You're probably going to ask me some yeah. questions about that. But um, um, we had a stunt double for me. And, um, but I ended up doing all my own stunts anyway, um, because I love it. And it's so funny because in one scene, um, I'm, I'm trying to run away from some people who are trying to kill me basically. And, um, and it's, and we're shooting in, um, this Virginian forest and it's so damp there that, and it was autumn. So there's a lot of dead leaves on the ground and combined with the wetness and the dampness, it's so slippery. Like you take a, 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 a step in each, in, in any direction, you're gonna end up sliding down a hill. And I had to run through that. And um, so, and in one instance, I, I need to fall and really roll down the hill, which wasn't hard to do <laughs> because again, it was so slippery. You could have You could have had any kind of accident running through there. And um, there was one uh, scene where I, where I have to roll down the hill and we had the stunt double ready, uh, ready to do it. And, um, and the camera wasn't rolling and um, we were just practicing what area I'm gonna run through and you know, where the camera is and trying to figure out all the, all the, you know, the blocking and everything and with the other character who's chasing me. So I, I, I did a practice run and then I told the director, I was like, oh, let me just try it. <laughs> And I rolled down and it was such a perfect, cause I have to land somewhere where I'm injured cause I get injured in my leg and I have to land somewhere. And the practice was so perfect. I, I fell where I was supposed to fall and I rolled down and, and I landed exactly on my mark. And when you're rolling down a hill, it's hard to land in, in an exact spot because you can't control where you're going to land really because you're kind of out of control you're you're rolling down a hill and um and then and then we were like oh darn we wish we got that on camera because then i have to do it two or three more times and i didn't land in the same spot every or the exact spot where i needed to land every time and then we had to do it again then we had to do it again and then i really got injured <laughs> my and the director was like wow i didn't think you'd be able to do this i was like really really <laughs> Yeah, they weren't. They weren't expecting it. They weren't. They because it, it it was difficult. But you know, there was anyway. Always shoot the rehearsal, yeah. as they say. <laughs> yes, always. Yeah, I tell people I come from the guerrilla art of uh, filmmaking. You know, because especially in LA, you get these like, you know, these there's this kind of wokeness that's going around, and which some instances I don't really subscribe to, and they're like. Are you okay being, you have to ask an actor, are you okay being touched this way when, you know, an actor has to come in and like hold your arm or something or pull you from your arm? And I'm like, just be in the moment, just do it, go ahead. Like, you know, I, 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 I mean, doing Turkish TV, I'll, I'll give you an example. Like, uh, um, there was, um, an instance where I, in a, in a Turkish soap, I played a battered housewife. She was a former beauty queen and she married this horrible, horrible man who beat her up and abused her. And, you know, and it's my story of, you know, trying to get away and trying to, you know, build a life after. It was kind of like Sleeping with the Enemy, yeah. you know, the Julia Roberts film. With that in a, think of that in a TV show kind of environment. So um, there was one scene where I had to be beaten up by my husband and thrown in the pool. 
and it was snowing outside. It's the dead of winter. Right. <laughs> and so there was um, the whole crew were outside in three layers and parkas. <clears throat> and I was there in my silk pajamas being pulled by my hair. Like he, he beats me up and then he drags me out by my hair and dumps me in the pool. <laughs> and it's snowing out. So we did two takes. So they dumped me in the pool. I had to get out and do it all over again and, you know, for different angles and things. And I think it was on the third take, um, I was frozen in the bottom of the pool and I could not further, I could not get out any further. And they literally lifted me out and put me in a hot shower. And I stood in, in the hot water for 45 minutes. So <laughs> I did not come from the <laughs> school of dainty filmmaking. Yes. <laughs> That, that is a relief to hear. It's like you have to be in the moment. Sometimes if you're being beaten up, I mean, you know, obviously there's a way you do it on camera. Um, but sometimes you do need to show hurt and pain and there's no other way to do it than actually being a little bit hurt. I'm not saying I'm, you know, I'm, I'm okay. It's going to be completely beat up by this horrible husband monster. But, you know, uh, some, some of it needs to be real. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. You, you, yeah. you need that. You need that verisimilitude, which is a, a wonderful word. word. But you're absolutely I like right. If, if, I like if, that if... word. <laughs> well, thank you. It, it's the <laughs> realism of the situation. And uh, if you can make it as real as possible without crossing that line where it actually becomes real, then yes, yes. I honestly agree with you 100 percent. Agreed. Agreed. Pop quiz question yeah. for you, Sarah. I found this one source has told me this uh, from doing my research over the week. So I wanted to check with you if this is correct or if this is something that someone has just thrown okay. out there. Did you appear in Neil Marshall's post-apocalyptic movie Doomsday? I did appear in a film called Doomsday, but it wasn't Neil Marshall's. It was? oh. Funnily enough, we ah. made a film. Yes. We made a film called Doomsday. It was originally called Doomsday, and I had one of the leads in that. It was shot in Bulgaria again. Uh, but if, uh, uh, unfortunately, another film, which is Neil Marshall's Dooms Doomsday, came out right before ours, and we had to change our name. Uh -huh. And they ended up calling it Annihilation Earth, which I didn't like as much which as Doomsday. Which is good, because that seeks... <laughs> effortlessly into Annihilation Earth. So that answers that question. Apparently on your Wikipedia, it is still listed as Doomsday. And when you click on the link, it goes to Neil Marshall's Doomsday. Yeah. Oh, interesting. Oh, okay. Bit of trivia there. Okay, uh -huh. so you mentioned Annihilation Earth, which uh, you, you did the trend uh -huh. of what every kind of actor we've had on the show so far, most of the actors have done a movie for sci-fi, <laughs> which is... Uh, yes. It's it's the Roger Corman way to start. It worked for Jack Nicholson. It worked for Holly oh, yes. Hunter. It worked for everybody. Uh, and in this, uh, you get to work with Luke Goss. Yes, Luke Goss of Bros. Blade, Blade Two. Twos. Uh, yeah. Yep. Uh, <laughs> yep. Uh, Hellboy Two. All of the twos with Guillermo yes. del Toro. He worked Guillermo on those. del Toro. Yes, one of my favorite directors. Yeah. And of course. Uh, yeah. One of our favorite topics of conversation, Steve, Colin Salmon was in this movie as well. <laughs> mm. Yes, the man that Paul W.S. Anderson likes to kill at every available <laughs> opportunity by slicing yes. him up. 
<laughs> I've seen him die in so many movies now. Colin, I've got a part for you. Oh, God, do I get sliced up in this one? <laughs> yes! yes. Oh, it's, it's, it's it in the... He is. Yeah. He is. In person. <laughs> so, oh, yes, yeah. we need you for Alien versus Predator. There's another Brit. There's another Brit in the film. Yeah, there's another Brit in the film. Marina Sutis oh, yeah. from Star Trek. The original. Oh, yes. Yeah, she's English yes. too. Yeah. yeah. yeah currently back. See, you taking over the yes. world talents. Currently back with uh, Picard. <laughs> okay, so yes, Annihilation Earth for the Sci-Fi Channel. Obviously, this has now uh, been unearthed that it was originally going to be called Doomsday, and obviously it's had the name change. And starring Luke Goss, Marina Sirtis, as you mentioned, and Colin Salmon. Um, yes. Correct me if I'm wrong. You played Luke Goss's wife. And mother of uh, two children. I had two children I had to carry around constantly. Well, one of them was like walking and the other one I had to carry all the time. And I, <laughs> it's quite tiring, you know, when I was like, can I put the put, can I put the baby down in this scene? And they're like, no, if you put her down, she's not in the shot. I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Did they not give you a like a dummy or something to carry around? Well, yeah, no, they didn't do that at, the, at that time. And uh, so she was in every shot with me. And I, I apparently took very good care of her. I was a good good screen mom. And her, her real mom thanked me afterwards that I took such good care of her on set. So, I'm, yes. And it's it, it's interesting working with kids because, you know, especially when you're doing night shoots, you have to keep them awake and, you know, to keep them well fed. Or, you know, they're just, it's it's a different kind of dynamic and you have to kind of manage them a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> and there's one scene that I'm doing at the very end and it was a night shoot and I'm carrying her and her eyes were closing and she's just like her little head was nodding off I was like <laughs> and then you start doing this you're like okay, we go, we go. <laughs> you know I got continuity to think about here kiddo keep your eyes open <laughs> you're ruining my moment kid you're ruining my moment you'll never work again yeah with your own kids you're like go to sleep for god's sake <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> we'll be doing kindergarten cup two next you week. Know. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny. I've just become a mom myself, and I'm do and I'm so I'm 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 playing a lot of lullabies when I'm trying to put her to sleep and rock her to sleep, and I'm like, I n it never occurred to me like every single lullaby is about sleep. It's like sleep, baby, sleep, and I'm like, oh, now I get it. <laughs> They just don't sleep. <laughs> oh, oh yeah, yeah. She, she's yeah, at the easy stage at the moment. It's when it gets to the stage that we're both at, where it's like, uh, <laughs> you get the Forest Whitaker eye at <laughs> two in the morning. <laughs> yeah. But sometimes when I'm feeding her, I like nod off. <laughs> <laughs> like my eyes are closing and then I'm like oh whoa and I wake up and I look up at her and her eyes are like looking at me like this sorry. I'm like sorry mama fell, mama, mama fell asleep on the job <laughs> she's walking away <laughs> lullabies make me and my husband sleep it's so funny because whenever I play, play a lullaby my husband's like asleep in 15 seconds and I'm like look they work better on your dad <laughs> I get at the moment with uh, my son when he plays Minecraft for some strange reason the music from Minecraft actually makes me fall asleep oh that that music is really it's too, relaxing it's too relaxing to set it uh, um, yeah. obviously as well as Annihilation <laughs> Earth around this time you also starred in a movie called Double Identity with Val Kilmer Val Kilmer yes so uh -huh. 
Tell us about this movie. Oh, I played an agent in that one. And it's kind of like, um, so it was the Cold War era. Like, I think, no, it was, it was, it was designed around the 70s or 80s, I think. I, I, don't quote me on that. And um, so um, all the other actors came in from England. And, uh, and I'm the agent who has to take him to a safe house and prepare him for his next, you know, mission and forge papers and do all that stuff. And it was funny because uh, all the other English actors and myself got into this really funny banter um, when we were off camera. And because um, there's one scene where, you know, I have to take photos of him and forge papers. And then I go, well, I will electronically send this to your hotel ASAP. But that was very high tech back then, obviously, <laughs> being able to send anything electronically. So and then whenever we we uh, were, you know, joking around, you know, we're, we're like, oh, let's do lunch together. And they're like, no, I'll send your lunch to your hotel electronically. And they were doing all these funny, funny jokes. <laughs> and Val must have just kind of looked at us and went, what are these people on? <laughs> and the script writers, the script writers looking at you like, yeah, that's right. Keep making fun. Yeah. Assholes. <laughs> They're making yeah, absolute fun. bastards. <laughs> I worked on that line for five minutes. <laughs> and then, um, and then, um, and this is really funny because I actually had a crush on Val Kilmer, like from his Top Gun and The Saint, and especially Jim Morrison. Oh my God, because I love The mm -hmm. Doors. And I loved Jim Morrison, you know, when I was a teenager. And when I saw him play Jim Morrison in his most fantastic role yeah. to date, still today, he did a fantastic, a great job with that. And when I saw him do that, I was like, I was like in awe of him. And um, and in my mind, he's still he's still Jim Morrison. Obviously, you know, he's he's not, but in my mind, he is. <laughs> so he did I, a uh, very good job of that yeah. part. So it's easy to great mix job. up the two. Yeah. Right. Um, so in the scene where I have to take him to the to the safe house and and prepare him and get him washed and and, and, and patched up and 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 freshly suited and everything and prepare him for the next mission. Um, so he gets out of the shower and then so I think that was my last my last scene that we shot together. And uh, when when we finished, they're like, "Oh, that's a wrap for Sarah." Clap 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 clap. And then I turned to him and I said, you know, I'm really disappointed because, you know, I was hoping you were going to come out of, you know, the, the shower, <laughs> you know, you know, I, I was hoping I was going to get to see you naked. It was just a joke, of course. And then he turned to me and he went, no, sweet. And he did it in this British accent, this very the camp British accent. He said, no, sweetie darlings, I only accepted this role because I thought I was going to get to see you, Nick. <laughs> 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 and I just went, oh, I asked for that one. I asked for that one. <laughs> I went bright red. I was like, nah. <laughs> Um, but yeah, no, but he came out of the shower with a bathrobe on. I was like, oh, bugger that. <laughs> <laughs> now you know how we managed to attract Joanne Wally. Yes. <laughs> <sighs> yeah, I had a crush on him. I was hoping he'd come out with like a little towel or something. He came out with a little bathrobe and I was like, oh. oh. 
How totally macabre. And speaking of macabre, <laughs> you were still doing theatre around this time. You did uh, Darren Boseman's Theatre of the Macabre, didn't you? Yes, I now, did. Now, Darren Boseman, uh, oh, Steve, in case you don't know, uh, he was behind uh, the Saw franchise. So a lot of the Saw movies right. he I think, directed and produced as well, right up to Spiral, the Chris Rock, yes. Samuel L. Jackson yes. remake. So yes. Yes, tell us about Theatre of the Macabre. Oh, wow. I can talk about this for hours. Um, I think Darren Bousman is a genius. Um, so he's done a couple of immersive plays before this one. And some of them actually started six months before the play actually started. So people like who signed up to watch the, the, the show would get like calls in the middle of the night or would get followed by strange people or, you know, <laughs> just to throw them off a little, scare them a little, even before the play started. So he's really into that whole immersive theater thing. And um, so Theater Macabre um, was based on some kind of reality. I think in the 1800s, um, there was a Theater Macabre in France where they actually raped people on scene or tortured them really, like really, really. Um, it was nasty. And then it got banned, I think, in the early 1900s. Um, and so... Um, it was a theater of the macabre. Um, so we had um, we had drug dealers and pimps and prostitutes and mental crazy people and um, and all sorts of madness going on. <laughs> and it was we only played it to nine people at a time and nine or ten, something like that. Uh, and so we only had because we had so we had 10 different stories going on simultaneously so we only played it to 10 people at a time so you could interact with the actors and um and and it was played in a building uh that was four stories and over 20 different rooms as a the, an audience member um you could come back 10 times and have 10 different experiences and every decision you made in every room you were in was a deciding factor on where you went next within the play, what room you were taken to, et cetera, et cetera. And we played to 10 people at a time and we did about 10 shows a night. Wow. Right. And the shows are okay, no, that makes sense. one and a half to two hours each. So they were staggered by, so we had a, a show starting at seven. We had the next one starting 7.30. We had the next one starting eight. So they were staggered by half hours. And so at, at any given time, we had three shows going on at the same time. Jay. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, just the mathematics of it is, is, is crazy. Um, and so, so several characters had, um, so several actors playing them. So, um, but it was, it was fascinating. It was, um, it was very challenging because, you know, again, the viewer could, because they were in the play with you, they could throw questions at you and you had to answer in character, but still keep them on the same path and same kind of journey. And, um, it was, it was truly fascinating and it was, yeah, the most fun I've ever had on any stage. So, okay, um, I, I can't pass this up. What was the strangest thing that you were asked while you were doing this show? Hmm. So my character was a therapist. I was actually one of the most kind of straightest characters. Um, but uh, before you met my character, 
you met the sisters I was actually looking for. So I was looking for two sisters inside this, this theater who had run away and were pretending to be somebody else, um, but they were actually mental health, they'd escaped from a mental health institute that I ran. So whether you believe the sisters who said that they were royalty and they were trying to escape their family so they were hiding in this theater, or whether you believed me um, was the deciding factor on the girl's fate, basically. We don't give, we don't tell them what time and age we're playing, you know. So um, I had an actual therapist. I had to play the scene with an actual therapist, which really, I was shitting my pants because I was like, oh God, he's going to try and be a smart ass and throw me some, try and throw me off. And he said, so, so he said, so you're looking for these, you know, these patients, but you know, what kind of uh, therapy are you you know, what, 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 what have you been practicing on them? And I said, well, you know, I run a very, you know, uh, um, uh, state of the art, you know, facility and, you know, and we provide medicate therapy and medication and, you know, worst case scenario, uh, we, 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 you know, do electric ther electric shock therapy. And he went, he went electric shock therapy. What 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 age are you? You know, because they they don't know. Because we were playing um, early nineteen hundreds. You know, but they didn't know that obviously. I mean, they could probably guess maybe from the costumes, but they weren't really told. So I was like, and he was like, "That's outdated." I'm like, "What do you mean outdated? I run a very you know uh, modern facility." <laughs> So I'm trying, you know, he's trying to throw me off because obviously nobody's doing electrotherapy anymore. So I, I had studied what therapies were done in that, in that age, in that, you know, in that era. So I was like, electrotherapy is a very modern form of therapy. I don't know what you're talking about, is what I answered him. <laughs> and if anyone in the UK wants to know what yeah. Theatre Maccabi is like, just go to Barrow Street in Salford on a Friday night. <laughs> it's practically just like that. <laughs> oh, that did actually remind me. I did something very similar. I did like a, a, I wrote a whole script for this this uh, this murder mystery play, and the whole thing was that yeah, all these different characters and they were all going through the same kind of thing. But then at the then throughout the show, the audience could throw out questions for them, and one of the one of the characters with a priest and i was i'd written this whole thing about the priest gives the character less rights and um the guy who was playing the priest didn't really know about the the whole thing surrounding less rights mm -hmm. and uh, one of the audience members said this and then he, he said uh yeah yeah no, i gave him less rights no no he didn't do that no he didn't do that no 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 and he was getting so defensive about the whole thing saying, no catholic priests don't do that no 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 <laughs> do they not have i missed something oh. Oh, okay so i'm so worried now so around this time as well as doing the acting, the the theatre, the stage, the movies, stuff like that, you were also still doing a lot of interviews for television and shows and things along that line. And you were you'd graduated up. You were talking to some of the industry's biggest names 
Um, wow, we, we got to interview just about like every A-list actor and uh, and director in town. So that was uh, a lot of fun for me. Um, so I did a lot of hosting as well alongside the acting. And uh, like I, I hosted a game show in Germany for two years. I hosted entertainment. I hosted a cooking show. I had my own talk show at one point. So I did hosting and acting together always. Um, but the film review show that I hosted here in LA uh, was something that I came up with um, because I, well, I obviously wanted to stay here and I needed a, a job, you know, in between auditioning and I, I and I didn't want to get like a full-time job because, you know, again, I needed to audition. So I thought, okay, why don't I host my own show? And so kind of have like a Turkish celebrity interview American celebrities and it wasn't just celebrities, it was it was f acting and film celebrities. Like I didn't interview, um, I, I, I wouldn't, you know, there was no like Kim Kardashians or, you know, whatnot, you know, not, yeah. none of that. Yeah. I wanted like a film review, I wanted a real film show so about only talented film. people. Um, so... <laughs> yes. <laughs> I was trying to be nice about it. You don't have to. <laughs> English, I love being able to be frank. <laughs> oh, trust me. We didn't tell you, you could be frank on this show as much as you want. I, I doubt she'll take time. Can I still be Steve? <laughs> you can still be Steve. <laughs> okay. <good. laughs> so, um, yeah, I got to interview everybody from like Julianne Moore to Guillermo del Toro. We were just talking about him. Mm -hmm. um, Nick Nolte, Robert Redford, uh, Keanu Reeves. I mean, Chloe Grace Moretz, um, just some of Shane Black, uh, just some of the names are popping into my head but yeah i mean uh oh steve carell i had a funny one with steve carell pharrell uh, Kristen wig um yeah a lot of a lot of wonderful names yeah i learned i learned a lot i think from in terms of how to promote because i mean i i'd been you know a famous actor in my country so i know how you know you I, i've done a lot of press junkets in my country and promoted films but you know i, I I got a good glimpse of how things are done here in, in Hollywood. <laughs> and it's good. Obviously, yeah. a really great uh, network as well for you. So you get to meet more and more people. Yeah. I know that uh, yeah. yeah, friendship with Oliver Stone and Edgar Wright as well, as you've mentioned. Uh, obviously, yeah. Uh, yeah. as many people kind of knew, you also knew Quentin Tarantino as well. So you, you'd built yeah. a lot of really good, solid relationships with people in Hollywood. I did. I did. Um, a lot of my uh, girlfriends asked me, they're like, oh, why didn't you ask to be in one of their movies? I was like, because I would never do that. <laughs> I mean, uh, the, the period that I, I knew Quentin, uh, he made um, uh, Inglorious, it was right off the back of Death Proof, and he made Inglorious Bastards and Django Unchained. And he'd always say to me, look, if I, he always thought I had a very kind of 70s kind of look. And he said, if I ever made a film about that era, I would put you in it in a heartbeat. But the, the, the time we were friendly, uh, he made um, Inglorious Bastards and he had a German girl and a German role and a French girl and a French role and there was nobody else in there. And then Django Unchained, they're all black. So, um, so I was unable to work with him. Who knows? Maybe, maybe one day, maybe, maybe Edgar, maybe Oliver. <laughs> Who knows? You never know. I'm a huge fan of Edgar as well. He's, he's, he's fantastic. He's, and he loves film. 
and uh, yeah, I could talk film with him and Quentin for hours. We're, I mean, they're, I, I like to call myself a mini cinephile. They're, they're, they're professors. <laughs> <laughs> they're in the major cinephile category. But um, yeah, I, I used to watch two, three films a night, you know. Uh, so, uh, good old days. Yeah, I, I love <laughs> Good yeah, old days, I mean, right? It, it's, a, it's a steadfast routine about this podcast that I am the yeah. Philistine who knows nothing about it, but even I can look at stuff that Edgar Wright has done and go, yeah, I recognize, I get that reference, I get that reference, I get yeah. that, I see where you're coming from. So, yeah, oh, that's, that's a good way. They're, they're the professors yes. in the university. I, 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 love, I, love being, I love being in the middle when Edgar and Quentin were having a film discussion and I would just feel like I'm soaking up so much film knowledge right now. <laughs> That's what Steve's like when he's on the show and me and the guest or it's Bill or whoever we have on, we're just talking endlessly about film and Steve's there like, I have no idea what they're talking about. I have no, I don't even know what film they're on about. So basically the show was originally done to educate Steve on film by forcing him to watch a movie every yeah. week, which we do on our regular show called what's in the box so we pick one out at oh, random fantastic. and he has to go and watch it and report back on it the next week watch mine <laughs> watch my film yeah. i want to see what you think oh, about yeah. it. it it'll be in the box <laughs> but obviously one person you have built a, a bit of a relationship here through work is uh nick lyon uh -huh. yes. yes and i've worked with him three I, times I, now. i'm connected with nick as well i don't think i've really even spoken with him but i think this came about you starred mm. with uh danny Trejo in the movie Bullet, which was directed by him. Yes. Well, the first one we did was Annihilation oh, right. Earth. That was the one we shot in Bulgaria. That's how, that was how we first met, yes. And I auditioned for him on Skype because he was in Bulgaria and I was in Istanbul at the time. So the first time I met him was on Skype and then I got the role and I flew to Bulgaria. I did that. And then here in the States, I did Bullet with him. And those were two jobs that he hired me as an actor. And then the third time, I got to hire him as a producer. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, now I'm your boss. <laughs> yes, the glove's on the other foot now, isn't it? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> that was fun. But how long did Danny Trejo stay on that movie? Because I have a theory that Danny Trejo like, shows up for a couple of hours and then walks into the next set for a new movie. <laughs> <I'm> not... <laughs> he probably does. This guy. He probably does. I, I had this feeling that you could go to a major movie studio and see Danny Trejo walking from from stage to stage <laughs> to do a movie. Probably, yes. It... <laughs> Him and Eric, both of them. And actually, they're good friends too, funnily. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yes, Eric yeah, Roberts, Roberts, yes. Yeah. Yes. He, Eric actually was taught how to box from Danny Trejo in the first film Run they did away together. Trail. Danny Trejo taught him how to box. Wow, that's some good trivia there. That is some there. good trivia. <laughs> you know. <laughs> and, and interesting, that harks to Tarantino as well, because Eddie Bunker was in that movie. He was in Reservoir Dogs. Eddie Bunker was Mr. Mm. Blue? Yeah, oh, the other guy yes, who kind of gets killed um, off screen. Um, yes. And then a yeah. And then another ah. link to me, Eddie Bunker, uh, is uh, related to uh, the Michael Mann movie Heat, because Heat, John yes. Voight's character was based on Eddie Bunker. Yes, yes, he was. Yes, isn't it funny? Hollywood just kind of connects wow. in these weird kind of interconnecting stories. And going, oh, one-way train. There you go. Yeah. Well, there you go. Learn something. I guess I graduate up to that cinephile stage. 
probably. Uh-huh. <laughs> also playing reporter roles in the TV show Scandal. Yes. Also in The Guilty with Jake Gyllenhaal as well. The Guilty, yeah. Yeah, well, there's like literally like two, three people in that whole film, but, um, and I'm one of them. <laughs> yeah, I'm on the screen constantly reporting on, on the news. Yeah, yeah. Good little film. It was a great pandemic film. Yeah, because three people in it and they're in the same room the whole time. It's one location. Yeah, there's a smattering of films yeah. that got released just like that. And obviously, uh, The Surprise Visit, which is the movie that not only you star in, but it's your first movie that you've produced as well, also starring Eric Roberts. Uh, is it directed by Nick Lyon? Yes, so he directed it as well. Yes. Now, this was actually shot during the pandemic as well, because obviously you did this with the uh, COVID-mandated sets and testing every day and things like that. Yes. So we... Um... So my husband's family, he was my boyfriend then, um, have a huge big estate in Virginia. And it is a, it's in the historic landmarks of America, whatever list. And so, and it's huge. Like it's got like a forest and, you know, there's a river and there's waterfalls and, and then there's uh, one main house and I think four guest houses. And so... And because of the historic nature, it would kind of, I mean, it would really, it, it would lend itself to a, a horror film very well, we thought. And, uh, and we found a script, funnily enough, named The Estate, um, that it would have been perfect for. And we wanted to shoot this on The Estate. <laughs> um, and we were planning to start in March, and then the pandemic hit in March and we figured out that shooting because the film involved some kids and shooting with kids during the pandemic was going to be very difficult if not impossible altogether so we scrapped that idea and we thought okay well we're not doing this and then um, later on that year I think in July we did a cross-country trip to Virginia because my husband wanted to visit his family we didn't want to fly and we didn't want to um, stay in a hotel so we got an RV and we did uh, cross-country trip which was a lot of fun um, and then we got there and we were going to be staying there for a few months and then my husband was like well you know why don't we find something that you can because he, he does um, he builds homes there and he was like well maybe you want to revisit making a film I mean we're here why don't you think about it you know we can we can shoot a film while we're here and so we looked at several different ideas and and we tried to come up with a script or an idea. Um, our starting point was The Strangers, which yeah. is kind of like a cult horror film now. Um, because, I mean, the whole film is literally three people and all the rest are in masks. I mean, it's a great pandemic film. <laughs> <laughs> uh, obviously, our film isn't, uh, isn't uh, similar, but um, um, so we kind of wanted to uh, um, experiment with some ideas around, you know, uh, a limited cast and crew kind of film with a one location. And my husband kept coming up to us and telling us, you know, there was this theft that happened here and, you know, the groundskeeper who still works there, um, his, he has a, um, a drug addict, uh, had a drug addict son and a, a daughter-in-law and, um, and they robbed the house when the family were away one weekend and took all the jewelry and melted it down and sold it for drug money 
and uh, he kept telling us his story and I'm like well you know I'm sure that was very traumatic when you were going through it but um, it's not very filmic <laughs> <laughs> uh, and so so I started off with that idea and uh, so it is based on a true story we started off with that idea but uh, in real life the the characters ended up in jail in our film they don't so I wanted to explore the idea of well, they broke into the house thinking it was empty, but what if her daughter had come to, to visit her mom on a surprise visit and not knowing that her mom had gone away for the weekend? Because obviously if you're planning a surprise visit, you don't call them and say, hey, I'm coming out to visit you this weekend. You've woken up in the middle of the night by some drug addict intruders who have come to rob your mom's home. <laughs> So that's where we start off. And uh, so I'm not going to tell you anymore. <laughs> <laughs> Don't want to give out too many spoilers, but that's that's the beginning gist of the film. And then uh, and I want to explore a little bit further. Well, what happens if, uh, you know, this, you know, I'm the daughter and I'm there with my husband. But what if one of us accidentally dies and there's only one person left now? Now there's a moral conundrum because now you have an eyewitness to the murder and what do you do with her you know if you're of sound mind you know you'd obviously call up the police and say hey you know uh there's uh, i there's been a break-in and an accidental murder but if you're high on drugs and uh you might not have the same mental you know facilities <laughs> what do you do then <laughs> So, yeah, we wanted to experiment with those ideas, and so we came up with this film and and shot it. We shot it in two weeks, and um, and we got Nick to shoot it for us, and Stephen is a very good friend of ours, uh, the writer, and so we said, this is the story. Can you write us a script? And he wrote us a script, and Stephen and I and Nick have been friends for years, and we wanted to uh, always work on something together, and we got to in the pandemic. <laughs> and so we so we uh shot it with um our whole crew was 12 people wow yeah and if you look at it you won't be able to tell because it looks really good <laughs> i'm not saying that myself, but it does look really good so again because i come from the school of gorilla school of gorilla filmmaking uh, to, to be honest the school of gorilla filmmaking has gave us some of the best movies ever you know that the people that yeah. have just gone out there and shot it well, again, because it was early stage pandemic before vaccinations, we didn't want to get anybody sick and we were shooting on my husband's, you know, family home and estate and they're old people and we were terrified we were going to get them sick, you know, you don't want that on your, uh, uh, in your, uh, you know, karma. Um, hey, I visited my, my family and got them sick, right? Yeah. <laughs> um, so we we wanted to be very careful and that's why we had very few people and uh and the whole film has six people in it but the story really revolves around three a vertical entertainment picked up uh for distribution which was we were like wow i mean they're a big company and uh you know most of the time uh, first time film producers um you know their their films don't really see the light of day or you know they tend to not be very good um, so we were very excited that we got picked up and then we got a limited theatrical distribution and then we went to VOD and we got some good reviews and, um, yeah, we were featured in like 
the Washington Post and various other media outlets. So that was exciting, you know. But I got to do that as a producer. I, I wasn't, you know, I, I just wanted to make a film in the pandemic and then it kind of worked out. <laughs> we were a bit unlucky when we were filming during the pandemic <laughs> because we, we had all oh. our days set and then suddenly it was like, yeah. lockdown, do not come out of your house. <laughs> so it was like, okay, that's, uh. that's scuppered that shoot completely. Thanks. But no, you... Yeah. you're one of those people that it was no excuses just go and do it and find a way to do it you got a movie made you got it released uh congratulations to you yeah. and where can people view this now is it streaming anywhere oh so, yeah it's on amazon prime it's on uh, google play it's on apple tv um and we just sold uh, because you still have to pay to watch it on all the other uh, VOD, but we just sold it to Tubi, yeah. so cool. it's for free. Lovely. You can watch it now. Uh, that's going to be on Jonas's Tubi Roulette. Oh yes, <laughs> he likes a little bit of Tubi does. Roulette, does Jonas? Yeah, <laughs> just let whatever movie come on as soon as he plays it. Well, uh -huh. I mean, what have we got coming up for you, sir? Is there anything that you can tell us that is imminent? I would like to revisit the estate. It was a great script. Um, I'd like to revisit that. Um, I just had a baby. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, it was an interesting pandemic year. I got, uh, I made a film, I got married and I had a baby. <laughs> <laughs> so I've been busy. <laughs> I've been pretty busy. <laughs> I'm just, I, as a, as a producer, I mean, I'd like to go back and make the, uh, the estate. Um, I don't know. I mean, it's not imminent. Um, I'll send you and... my CV. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and right now I'm just auditioning for things that I can just go in and shoot, you know, here and there where I don't, you know, as a producer, you're kind of involved in it for, it's a good year or two out of your life. And I don't, I don't know if I really have that kind of time with a baby right now, but I can, I can definitely work as an actor because then you're in and out, you know? <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Exactly. You don't really realize that. You don't really realize that when you're an actor, what really go, goes into producing a film because, you know, as an actor, you can make three or four a year, you know, but um, as a producer, no. no. <laughs> you learn a lot more, a lot more about films. Yes. Yeah, when you make and you never up. stop learning either. That's the one thing that I'll definitely say. Well, Sarah, uh, it's absolutely fantastic you're joining us here. Thank you so much for taking your time on a Friday afternoon for our Friday night mm -hmm. to come along and be guest number two on this run of Partywood. We're going to hopefully have you come back in the future. I'm, I'm sure there's some yes. game episodes that would absolutely love to have you on. Oh, I'd love to be on them. I love film oh, trivia. God. It, it gets highly competitive between these grown adults, I tell you. Yes, especially if Mr. Richard Mirish is involved. Oh, yes. No one's beaten him yet. He's, he's the champion two times no. running. I have a feeling he might be third. We, we've got to amp up the guests for this one. I think Sarah could give a good run for her money. Uh, but for now, though, thank you so much for taking the time out of your schedule to, to join us here on this poxy little podcast. <laughs> oh, so oh, thank you very much. I've enjoyed your poxy little podcast immensely. Thank you for having me. Um, it's been fun chatting with you both. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Uh, and if you want to discuss anything 
that you've heard on this episode, then all you need to do is just get in touch with us on the links below. You can get in touch with us on facebook.com forward slash poddywood. You can hit us up at Twitter at poddywood. You can get in touch with us on the r slash poddywood subreddit. You can get in touch with us on LinkedIn. I'm not going to repeat that because it's a longer address down below. Or you can even get in touch with us on Patreon where you can get audio versions of these episodes a day, a couple of days earlier than the world gets to see the full video thing. So you can get more content for just the price of a cup of tea or coffee if you're living outside of the UK. Exactly. Yes, come talk to me on LinkedIn. I'm sick of just getting people talking to me about recruitment and building my website. I want to talk about movies with some people. (laughs) It's my domain. (laughs) But yes, um, we're also after subscribers. So if you enjoyed the show today, here's a subscribe. We've got some awesome guests also in the pipeline. We've got our regular shows as well, where you'll see what's in a box anniversaries and all the stuff that we do that you love to see us do. Uh, and our next guest will be Uva Ball. Yes, Uva Ball is going to be our next guest. He's made his comeback after retirement. Steve is absolutely shitting it <laughs> because... I know him can. I know him oh, well. Oh, you know him well? Yes, I do. I, I, I may have been slightly less than diplomatic in in regards to his video game adaptations in the past, so it's going to be a fun episode. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't seen him in years. It's been at least ten years. He wouldn't remember me. Well that's okay. Yeah. We'll say we'll say Why next not? week that you said hello. Uh, but for now, though, it is a big thank you to Sarah. Thank you very much for joining us. Thank you for having me. Uh, it is a goodbye from me. And uh, I'm just an AI chatbot. Bye.